Ooh. Well, ahoy there, mateys, all you land lubbers. Is that how the pirates said love? Land lubber? That is adorable. I know they may have been trying to go for menacing, but that is darn adorable. Arr, I love ya. Do you love me back? I love lamp. Well, hey, I love you guys for listening to me. It's Stefan here from a comedy advice podcast. And I would like to give you some treasure because I love you so much. Well, the treasure chest is this episode. And when you open it up, you get a very special guest, illuminating guest, Nicole Birch. She is absolutely phenomenal. She's lovely. Absolutely lovely. And so I watched Nicole's special, and you should too. The link is in the show notes. Never been kissed. It is hilarious. And she is an amazing storyteller. So we get into that. We talk about her comedy upbringing and how her writing is just really a forte that's helped her develop. And she's only been doing comedy for three years. And so we talk about how she was able to come up with a special. So we get into that, then we get into the advice. Hilarity ensues. So that's pretty much it. I hope you guys enjoy, and thank you so much for the outpouring of love and support. I really, really love it. You guys are my treasure. You guys are my my gold coins, and I will bury you and, and <laughs> mark it in a map so someone else can find you guys because you just are that lovely. So... If you guys want, please support me. Follow me on Instagram. I'm posting a lot of good stuff on there. Follow, like, comment. If you guys haven't yet, please subscribe. Leave a review and say, isn't it lovely? Uh, Am I out doing the love? All right, guys. Well done. Anyway. Review, subscribe on YouTube. I've got some videos up now, too, so you can see me talking with my guests. That's it, guys. Anything else? No, I don't think so. Well, this is Stefan signing off to the seven seas. Well, you guys can enjoy this episode. Our comedy advice podcast. An advice podcast for Stefan and friends. To make exaggerated statements not meant to be taken literally. What was that, Stefan? Uh, comedy advice podcast. <laughs> Hello. We're doing it. It's happening. Yes. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited. I'm sorry if I'm disappointing you by not wearing a banana costume. I was. That's what I was hoping for. I was like, please, 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 just bring it back. That was hilarious. That was the best thing that's ever popped up on this on my screen. That's great. Oh, I'm so happy. I So fun fact, I did it for Halloween, and then I did three podcasts that day. Well, two and a half. We almost did ours. <laughs> but I did yeah. one, two, and, and I did the banana suit. And then by the time it got to you, I was sweating. The <laughs> suit had started to get brown spots. So I was like, this is done. <laughs> I should throw this away. Um, That's so great. That's great. <laughs> yeah, but it was fun. And I also want, I, I recorded the videos for the other two. So if people start and on those episodes, they're going to be like, does this guy wear a banana costume all the time? All the or... time? Or like, is it up? Yeah, you're like, yeah, no. No, I do a garden variety, do an orange one day and then uh, a pair of the other. Anyway, right. <clears throat> let me uh, 
clear the pipes here. Uh, okay, good. Key of A. We're good. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of A Comedy Advice Podcast. My name is Stefan, and I'm your host. Joining me today, very special guest. She's an actor, writer, and comedian with a new special out, Never Been Kissed. Everybody, please welcome Nicole Birch. Thank you very much. What a great introduction. Thank you, thank oh, you, thank God. you. I was practicing it all day. I had myself on <laughs> mute in my nine to five calls, practicing that. So we're, we're good. Love it. Um, Love it. But Nicole, I am so happy to have you on. And I'm really excited to talk about Never Been Kissed. It was an yes. amazing special. I actually started watching it again because it had been a while between when we were originally going to pod. And I was like, oh, no, am I forgetting right. some crucial plot points here? So, <laughs> And I'm excited because it's also... I feel like my wife approved because my wife, she's not really a big comedy fan. Right. Um, so when I tell her I get these guests on, she's like, oh, are they, am I going to like it? Because sometimes I'll do my research in the living room and she likes Grey's Anatomy. I like comedy. So I'm like, <laughs> babe, you're going to love this. So I'm, we're going to watch it again and I'm going to have her watch it. So oh, I'm good, excited. good. Yeah, it's definitely um, I mean, I, I had just as many guys in the audience as I did women, but it definitely, definitely hits a specific demographic. I think anybody from like 20 to 50 that's a female is like super on board, um, especially if they like the movie Never Been Kissed with Drew Barrymore. Like that's that's the big once they find out that that's what it's about and that movie has such a following um that it kind of resonates with a lot of people mm. yeah i'll tell you what i am not a woman between 20 and 50 <laughs> but i was on the first off there was the comedic layer but then under that i feel like the storytelling layer was just yeah. so captivating that I was on the edge of my office chair just waiting <laughs> to see what was going to happen. So I, I wanted to ask because I read that you had only been doing stand-up for about three years. Before yeah. that, you've been doing comedy for about a decade or so. But I wanted to ask, what got you into this, the maybe sometimes treacherous roller coaster ride of comedy? Uh, so I – oh, comedy in general, I think um... – probably writing. I mean, I've always had a sense of humor. I come from like, my dad's really funny. My mom's funny. Um, I mean, not that they do it as an occupation. She's an accountant and he's in trucking. So it's obviously not really, <laughs> thing. but, um, I think we, uh, we come from a really, you know, humorous family and, uh, growing up, we all, the, the biggest goal was to make my grandfather laugh. And there was kind of a hierarchy, like everybody laughed at grandpa and then everybody laughed at dad, but dad mm. could only laugh at grandpa. Grandpa never laughed at dad. Like it only worked its way down. And I so see. that's like a one, very, that's like a card game almost. Okay. Ace is wild. And then twos are the oldest, the older, the people, the more laughs they get. And then as it goes down, like the older generation doesn't laugh at the younger generation. And I did something when I was younger and my grandpa like spit out water through his mouth or his nose. And he was laughing so hard. And I remember not so much that, but I remember the look on my dad's face when my dad was like, he just laughed at you. And I <laughs> thought, I thought this is great. That's like a lot of comics talk about the first time somebody laughed at him, getting yeah. my grandpa to do that. And I thought I made him sick because I was like, what is happening? What is he doing? Well, he's choking. He's choking. And my dad looked at me like, you just made the man that never laughs laugh until he spit up. Like that's, that's something. 
Um, I kind of knew that I had a thing for comedy at a pretty young age, but I never, I mean, I never, I'm from Kansas city. I'm from a working class family. So I never thought that it would pay the bills. I never thought anything like that. I thought I I was good at writing. I was good at writing stories. I'm a storyteller. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of how I, you know, thought my path would go. Um, even though I, I was pre-med in college, um, (laughs) a big switch. And then, um, when that didn't work out, I interned in a hospital and I was like, this is not for me. This is, it's just, it's really sad. So, and that was, that was eternity. So it wasn't like, I mean, that's like, that's, this is where life begins. And if you're depressed here, maybe it's not for you. So I, I was going to also going to say, didn't you deliver a baby in Honduras? I did when I was 17. Yeah. So that's what prompted me to be like, I would have never thought about being a doctor until that moment. Uh-huh. And so I've kind of always gone with, you know, reading the signs and trying to figure out where my life was going. And, uh, so I thought, oh, by delivering that, I'm supposed to be a doctor. And then I realized, oh, you're not good at math and science. So maybe not be, it's probably not for you. (laughs) And, uh, I remember taking the MCAT and I scored probably in the 57th to 65th percentile on everything except the writing essay, which I don't even think they have on there anymore. Hmm. And I had a writing essay and I scored in the 99th percentile. And my, wow. uh, yeah. And my, uh, counselor, school counselor was like, I think you need to think about writing. And I was like, no, no, no I'm just going to keep retaking it. And he's like, no, no, if you're scoring at a D level, you're probably not going to get into med school. <laughs> I was like, yeah, you're probably right. So I just started writing more and more. And then, um, I tried to, you know, I did real estate for a while and I was really good at that, but Mm-hmm. Um, it's just something not vibing. So I started taking acting class in Kansas city. I was going to ask about the writing when you were, did you start going into writing and really focusing on it after your counselor had said so, or were you writing in journals or were you doing any sort of writing before that? I had a journal since I was in third grade, maybe fourth grade. I still have those. I've always journaled. I've always told short, short stories. I actually wrote my first movie script which I didn't know what that looked like at the time because I was like 12 and it was where Denzel Washington I was like I'm obsessed with Denzel Washington how can we be in a movie together because he's black and I'm white so clearly he can't play my dad so how does this work and I go no I know exactly how it's gonna work so my mom sent me the script recently it's like four pages right Uh but he's my bodyguard and I get kidnapped which is, if you remember the Dakota Fanning movie, Man, Man on, Fire. on Fire. She oh sent it to me. I know. She sent it to me in my little chicken scratch like handwriting. And I was like, somebody stole my idea. When I was 12 years old, somebody stole my idea. And she's like, that's hilarious. I know. <laughs> oh. I, know. I know. Isn't that funny? Oh, and my so, gosh. So I've always written. Um, again, never thought that it would be. Maybe I thought about journalism at some point, but. I was like, well, I never want to be in front of a camera, which is hilarious now. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, and then somewhere around, I was engaged and I was like 26 years old and I was just kind of going through the motions and I was like, this isn't, and even my fiance at the time was like, I don't think you're happy here. And I don't think I can make you happy. And I don't think anything's, you know, you're just not, he's like, you're like a B plus happy, but I know you can be an A plus. And so he was right. And I had been in acting class as a hobby at the time. Mm-hmm. I was 
doing really well. I was going to ask, this probably isn't related at all, but how did you get proposed to by your ex-fiance? God, man, this is, this is in one of my shows, actually. Um, (laughs) I was proposed to at a TGI Fridays during my shift. Oh no. During your shift. Yeah. (laughs) I was bartending. During my shift and uh, the girl I was bartending with was like, hey, come out back with me. I'm having like this big dramatic thing happen. I was like, we have to bartend. She's like, no, it's an emergency. And I was like, what is going on? So I go in the back and I realize she's making up some story. And I was like, you're being weird. And I go back to the bar and he's on one knee with a ring out and he's got a cell phone. Not an onion ring. No, not an onion ring. Uh, and then a cell phone in his pocket because it's his mom on the line and she wanted to hear the proposal. And my dad <laughs> and stepmom were there and my brother had the camcorder out, the old camcorder, and was like re- taping the whole thing, which I'm sure they've taped over a million times by now. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, so not great, you know? You, you know, there not is great. some sort of romantic aura around TGI Friday because I ended up, I didn't propose to my wife there, but I did tell, I confessed my love for her for the first time at TGI Friday. I don't think she felt that quite the same at TGI Friday. She was, because she didn't say it back. She said, thanks. I got the thanks. (laughs) Oh, so you're proof that that can still work out though. When people say thanks, you're proof that it can still work out. Yeah, that's that's true. So far, so far we've been going, (laughs) it's like eight years or so. Oh, you're good. You're good. You're good. (sighs) But anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to derail. So then more writing Uh, and. So so then I was like, you know, um, I talked to my acting coach and he was like, I think he goes, I've been saying it for a few months now. He's like, I think you need to pick New York or LA and you just need to go. Otherwise you're going to be here doing community theater the rest of your life. And there was a woman in our class who was about 75 years old and she was such a brilliant actress. You could not Mm -hmm. take your eyes off of her, but she never left Kansas city. She never, that's all she did was community theater. And I was like, he's like, that's going to be your life. And I was like, Oh, no, thank you. Did she have a cool actress name? Like Edith oh God, Bond I, Summer. I, I, I could not even remember if I tried. I mean, she kind of looked like a Midwest version of Helen Mirren. The same haircut. She was beautiful. She was classically beautiful. She aged mm-hmm. beautifully. Um, a brilliant, brilliant actress could do comedy and drama. And at that age, I'm like, if she were to come out to LA at 75 years old, she would have killed it. She would have played every grandmother role you could imagine because it's a small group of women that can do that. Mm -hmm. Um, But she just, she never wanted to leave the Midwest. It was too scary for her. So I packed up, I moved to LA. And then within two days, I auditioned for the Groundlings Theater and got in and I started almost, uh, I think in two weeks from moving here, I started my first class and it took six or seven years. I'd have to think about that again, but six or seven years to get into Sunday company. Uh, I think it was six. Now it takes a lot longer. It's still, I mean, it's still such a, they keep adding classes, but mm-hmm. uh, it took about six or seven years and I got into Sunday company. So I was performing every week. So um, what, what, what exactly is Sunday company? Sunday company is okay. So you've got different levels. You've got basic. And I'm sure some of this has changed. It's constantly changing, but you've got basic, which is basic improv then intermediate improv, then writing lab. Now writing lab up to writing lab. I believe you can keep retaking them 
but if you mm-hmm. don't pass writing lab, you don't get to retake anymore. Um, okay. You're just you're just said thank you so much. This isn't for you. Um, wow. Yeah. So I passed writers lab, writing lab. I don't even know what it's called anymore. Writing lab, and then I went to advanced, which now they have advanced improv. I don't. I didn't have to do that. Um, I just had to do advanced sketch. So. Uh, wow. And if you pass that, then you get into Sunday Company, and Sunday Company is kind of like uh, it's almost like a conservatory. So you're performing okay. a different sketch show. It's set up very much like Saturday Night Live. So you have pitch on Wednesday, mm-hmm. you have rehearsal on Saturday. No, gosh, oh my, it's been so long. Um, yeah, I think you have rehearsal on Saturday, and then it's dress on Sunday. I don't okay, even know we do have but- some alum listening, so. Oh, good. Good, good, good. (laughs) They're like, what is she talking about? (laughs) No. Yeah. So we, uh, or I guess, yeah. So we pitch Wednesday, then we get notes and we have to fix the script. And then we have usually Saturdays are devoted to like costume shopping and stuff like that. And then Saturday Mm -hmm. you have dress, uh, and then you have tech, uh, which are think dress and tech are the same thing. And then you have the show and it's a different show every Sunday. There's, there's a little bit of improv, but it's, I mean, 90%. Mostly. Yeah. Interesting. How, so, how often do you, or when you were doing that, how often were you writing for it outside of uh, it's, pitch? And Oh, it's, I mean, Sunday company itself is such a pressure cooker. It's 40 hours a week and you don't get paid. It's 40 hours a week of your time for sure. If that includes writing, that includes meeting with people. If you want to write, um, with a partner, or even if you're writing solos on your own, which you should be doing both. Mm-hmm. And then with rehearsals and getting wardrobe and the actual show, you're doing at least 40 hours a week. Wow. Um, yeah. It's wow. a lot, but you want to talk about a system that it is the, I've done UCB, I've done IO and I've done second city. Mm-hmm. You want to talk about a school that, and second city in LA is a bit different than second city Chicago. So, I mean, that's like second city Chicago's from what I heard amazing, mm-hmm. but UCB is great with improv, I think. But as far mm-hmm. as like writing, there's no other program. Groundlings made it so that I could write endlessly and not get tired. I remember when wow. I got cut. Yeah. So I did six months of it and then I got cut. And when I got cut, it was like, super devastating for like a week. And then you kind of get into this place and I'm sure it's different for everybody, but I was like, wait, I have to write. Like, I'm so like, if I lose this muscle, what a waste. So I started writing my own show. I wrote a show called the seven guys you date before you get married and the groundlings. I was like, Hey, can I preview it here? And they're like, Mm -hmm. yeah, sure. And they were so loving and accepting of that. So it ran there. I thought it was going to do one weekend and it ran for 15 months. Um, that's incredible. Yeah. And that's where I got, I mean, Sunday company, I've got really good representation out of, but the play is what I got a lot of writing rep from. So I see that kind of changed. Like, what do you want to do with your life? And I was like, Oh, I want to create my own stuff and I want to keep developing material. And I think about everything. I think about the marketing aspect, like the way it's called the seven guys you date, like the posters, me with seven guys. And you can look at the poster, like they're all kind of surrounding me. And you can look at the poster and you're like, I know who that guy is. I know who that guy is. Oh, that was the guy in college. And every time I would pass a poster around, 
a girl would be like, well, this is my boyfriend now. And that's the guy I dated once. Oh, and I know this guy, that's the money guy. Right. And I was like, yeah, that's the guy in the three piece suit. Who's a smooth talker. And she's like, oh my gosh, I know exactly who that is. And so, um, yeah, that was really relatable. I think mm. and a lot, it was so much fun because it was a cast of 15 people, mostly Sunday company people that I <laughs> and we had a blast because it wasn't the pressure cooker that Sunday was. And we all just got mm-hmm. to have fun. Um, so that, that, that was a lot of fun. And then, that's so yeah. cool. I, yeah, and, and, I was... after, and I did stand up. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. And I was, I was going to ask, so then you got into stand up, and that's been for about three years. And how, what was it like your first experience doing stand up? Did you, I was mind? very lucky. First of all, it wasn't like my first show was at the comedy store or anything. It was at a bar in North Hollywood called the federal bar, but we had about mm-hmm. 120 people, 120 people in the audience, which is a pretty good size. And, uh, a friend of mine had taken me to a stand-up show there. And I was like, Oh, actually this is a lot of fun. And it's, it's like no pressure. Um, mm-hmm. you've got some really good comics and then you've got some people that you can tell are probably trying it out for like the third or fourth time, yeah. but it's still like a fun environment. Right. So I go, Hey, can you just give me like, how much time could I get? And he was like, yeah, I'll give you my friend TK is like, who's now my friend. But at the time I didn't know him. He was mm-hmm. like, yeah, I'll give you seven minutes. And I was like, seven minutes. Okay. So I took I don't know, three stories that were really strong in the seven guys play. And I was like, I'm just going to see what that looks like if I do it as stand-up instead mm-hmm. of dialogue. Uh-huh. And so I got up there. A lot of my friends came, um, but there were, I mean, like when I say a lot of them, like 12 people came. And <laughs> I remember getting off stage and one of my best friends goes, she goes, this is it. And I go, what? And she was like, this is your next step. And she goes, whether this turns into a stand-up career or you're just honing your writing skills by learning what works in a live setting. You have to keep doing this. And so I was like, that's great. And so I started, um, after that, he let me headline. I did one show and he made me a headliner. So I got to do 22 minutes, my next show. Uh, wow. I did well in that. So it was put like, I was, a, I, I became a big fish in a small pond really fast. And it was really good for my ego. Cause it had just been crushed from the Sunday company. Oh. So it was really good for me. And, um, when then I was you like, did right. the 22 minutes, sorry, I, did, I was just gonna hey. say, when you did the 22 minutes, was that some of the minutes from your show or did you completely write a new set of I material? Kept, I kept seven minutes that I had previously done, but I said everything else needed to be new. Nice, Uh, wow. I needed to stretch and I needed to expand. And there were so many things that I I wasn't able to talk about in Sunday that I could now talk about. Like a lot Mm -hmm. had to do with dating, um, my relationship with my dad, because he, I was supposed to be a boy and he was a super athlete and out comes a girl who has no athletic ability whatsoever. And so our relationship, um, I have seven minutes on my dad where the joke is he would always say, I'll be in the car. And so that whole set is called I'll be in the car because every time he would show up, I would try to do athletic stuff. He would come to support me. And obviously I'm doing it to please him. He would come to support me and I would embarrass myself completely. So he'd always be like, Oh, throw up his hands and be like, you know what, Nicole, I'll be in the car. So (laughs) um, (laughs) I just had that happen with my father too, because we went on a father son fishing trip. I wanted to spend some quality time with pops yeah. and I don't know how to fish. Yeah. So the first couple of times I'm casting 
and I'm trying to cast, and then the the lure goes directly, plops in the water, big splash. <laughs> my dad is just like, what is going on here? What and is then- this? I know. So, I mean, we try to relate to them, but when it yeah. doesn't happen, there's so much yeah. comedy in it. So yes. much. Yes, exactly. We filmed too. I was like, dad, I want to learn how to gut and clean a fish. And so uh-huh. we tried to film it. And there were a call. It, uh, gladly, he didn't get my face because it sounds like a woman shrieking or screaming <laughs> when I'm trying to remove the head. But comedy, like you said, comedy ensues. Comedy gold, comedy gold man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but- yeah. Anyway, so the 22 minutes, that seven minutes from the Sunday show, and then the rest and fresh. The trail, and that went really well. And I started headlining there regularly. And after wow. a certain point, I was like, I need to, I need to do the big club. So I started doing comedy store uh, in the belly room. And then I did a couple shows at the Laugh Factory, a couple shows at the Improv. Mm-hmm. Um, but comedy store is kind of my home base a little bit okay. and I still, I still do the federal because the federal is the only place that's still giving me like they gave me like 30 minutes before the pandemic happened they're like you want to just do 30 minutes of completely new material and i'm like yeah okay they'll just call me up and ask me to do it wow. so that that is such a gift to just i mean it's hard to find a spot that's gonna let you just try that stuff out and it's been such a blessing um but that's then amazing. comic is kind of where kind of where I consider home base. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so at what point did you decide, you know what, I'm ready for a special. I want to do this. This is the material and kind of pull the trigger. Okay. So I didn't really even think of doing it. I was, uh, I'm part of a writer's group. I said, I was, but I am, but the pandemic, so we can't meet, but, um, this writer's group, all of them are, you know, active writers, they write for fresh off the boat, blackish, grownish. Wow. Um, the kids are all right. Which was a show for a little bit. Um, I'm trying to think I'm forgetting like two. So everybody's a working writer except for me. I mean, I did freelance, but I wasn't on, I wasn't staffed. And then my friend Tanner, who does mostly hosting television, like he hosts, I think Hollywood live or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so we were more of the performer people, everybody else, all they do is write. And, but they have us come into the group to like, to have performers in it pretty much. And, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. and it's such a tight knit group that, uh, they started coming to my stand-up shows and they came to the seven guys play and they helped me turn seven guys into a screenplay and then into a pilot. And, and they were, it's this kind of group. I I'm just so grateful to be a part of it. And now they now two of them are show running their own show on HBO max, which I think is in pre-production. It's going to call it's uh, maybe I shouldn't say the name of it. Probably not. Never mind. I'm not going to say the name of it, but it's going to be great. And um, I'll say it takes place on a boat. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. And they're fantastic. These are the guys who've written for fresh off the boat for years. And it's time with the boat theme. I like sticking with the boat theme. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> Maritime yes, I comedy. Didn't, I didn't even think about that. Okay, that's so funny. I think that's so funny. And both in the name. Okay, anyway. Um, so uh, we were talking, they came to my stand-up one time and they're like, hey, we just shot an episode of, uh, what was that show before? Um, oh, man. 
oh, the, the, the real O'Neills. So it was the real O'Neills. So during the real O'Neills, they met an actor named Corey Craig and they're like, you have to meet this guy. And I was like, why am I meeting an actor? And they're like, no, 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 no. He's an actor, like part-time he's gorgeous. He works a ton, but that's not even what he likes doing. What he loves doing is he runs the ice house and he has his own show there once a week that is lot like lined around the block people waiting to get in called cool beans comedy and i was like okay and they're like you need to meet him because he's starting to film his own comedy specials Hmm. and i was like okay i'll reach sure i'll reach out to him so i reached out to him and he goes yeah why don't you meet me uh i'll get you a pass and just come to the warner brothers parking uh, warner brothers lot and we can have lunch i'll take you to lunch and suddenly I was like, wait, what's happening? And they're like, oh yeah, he works for Warner Brothers too. And I was like, I don't, what is happening? So it kind of happened ah. really fast. I met him at Warner Brothers. We had lunch. He said he had filmed two um, comedy specials that were pretty green. You know, he was just getting his footing. And, mm-hmm. uh, but he, he was like, you know, I really, I did this one. I think you're really going to like it. And it was for Sam Comro. And I watched it and I was like, dude, this is really good. Like the way you're shooting it and how he had like the moving track camera and he like, and it was done really well. And it was done at the ice house. And he was like, so I can get you the ice house and I can get this. And he goes, but I'm not familiar with your material. And I was like, look, I don't even know if I have enough. I go, I'm sure the world is tired of, you know, um, a, a decent looking blonde girl complaining about dating. And that's pretty much all I have. And he goes, yeah, that's not, a really unique voice and he goes but let me come see he's like here's what we're gonna do set up this week go do three shows all around town different audiences i'm gonna come to all three shows i was like okay comes to the first one i think it was at the federal comes the second one i think it was comedy store comes to and after that he goes yeah it's just a lot of and i'm doing all new material each one Mm -hmm. and he goes yeah he goes you do have a unique perspective on dating but it's still just dating and I was like, right. Mm. Okay, well, no worries. I'm not, you know, this is just something I was going to film for like a reel or something. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I go, don't even worry about coming to my last show. It's in Glendale. It's in a restaurant that shouldn't even have stand up, but my friend runs it and I'm doing him a favor. And he goes, no, no, I already set up a meeting next door to that place. So I'm going to come, I'll pop in. We'll talk after. And I was like, okay. So at that point it was dead. We weren't going to do anything. And I had maybe eight minutes in Glendale. And I started talking about the Michael Vartan story and Michael Vartan, who's the lead actor in never been kissed. And I start talking about how I'm going on this date with the guy, the women, it's not a big crowd. It's probably like 50 people, 40 people. Mm-hmm. They're on the edge of their seats. And as I'm, you can tell I'm starting to wrap up Doug, my friend who's running the show gives me the, the signal to just tell the long version. He's like, no, no, go. There's no time there's no time. There's no time clock. And I was like, Oh, okay. So he wasn't, cause at first he was going to give me the red light. And then he was like, no, just tell the whole thing. And I was like, Oh, hmm. so I ended up stretching it out to probably like 15 minutes and adding more detail, more detail. And as I'm doing, I can see Corey and he's like feverishly texting or sending an email or something. I'm like, well, he's checked out, but the audience seems to be into it. So I finished the story. I get off stage and I come up to him and I was like, yeah, sorry. You had to see that. And he goes, no, he goes, I just sent you a text. And it was 17 paragraphs long. And it was like, this is the name of the show. Nicole Birch, never been kissed. You're going to tell the full version of that. We're going to work on it. Your intro can be some of your seven guys stuff and your dating stuff. And then, um, he goes, 
I've got a guy at Netflix. We only need like 30 minutes. And so I was like, oh, okay. And people kept coming up to me after the show and they were like, does Michael Vartan know that that's what really happened? Like, have you called him? You should call him. You should really reach out to him. Like you guys should be together. You guys are, you guys deserve each other. And people were freaking and they're like, that was my favorite movie growing up. Oh my God. I was so Drew Barrymore. And I was like, yeah, I get it. So we just kind of worked on it for three months. I honestly did not run it a lot. I'm not a typical comic. I'm not a road comic. I don't perform six nights a week. I don't travel. Mm-hmm. Um, but that said, I do think I have a gift in storytelling. And so to do this felt, I felt a little disingenuous to be honest, because I'm not the comic that has um, earned her stripes in order, you know, for like HBO to be like, hey, you have your own hour long special now, right? Mm-hmm. The reason I did it and I felt confident in doing it is because I had Corey who had my back, who's now like my brother. Um, and he said, you know, I see comics all, all day long, all week long at the ice house. That's all I do six days a week is the ice house. And I coach and I teach and I do everything that's stand up comedy related. And he goes, this is such a specific story and it's so unique to you. And it has, he goes, he goes, look, I'm too young. I don't know that movie. I don't know that movie. I don't know who Michael Vartan is. And he goes, and I don't care. I was on the edge of my seat the entire time. And I was like, okay. And he goes, so you have a gift in telling this and you have the opportunity to do it. And we just need 30 minutes. So let's just see where it goes. And I was like, okay. So I did it. And then we talked to comedy dynamics and they were like, we want to distribute it for you. And, and that's what they did. And now it's on Amazon and Apple TV. And um, I think we've even put it on YouTube because I had an issue with everyone in my family from the Midwest. None of them knew what Apple TV was and none of them had Amazon. And I was like, oh, no. I was like, you guys, what do you mean you don't have Amazon? They're like, we don't stream anything. What are you talking about? What's streaming? Is it on H? They're like, is it on CBS? And I'm like, no, it's not on CBS. <laughs> what comedy special is on CBS? Is it after so- Jimmy Fallon? What, what's going yeah. on here? So eventually I think we put it on, uh, even YouTube, like you can rent it or buy it on YouTube. Cause it was just like, we had to make it something where they at least have a familiarity to it. Um, nice. and that's how it all came about. And now, now I'm writing the next one. Yeah. That's wonderful. And, and I was just going to say too, I mean, one, you telling the story about telling the story of how it came about. Yeah. Your, your storytelling is, is, is really on point. I was captivated and I'm sure my audience and my listeners will be too. But then also, I know you were talking about, hey, you know, maybe I haven't earned my stripes in in the traditional way that a comic would. But I feel like those stripes are on you from all the writing that you've done, the... um, uh, the work at groundlings and and i think that your writing is so strong and then you also i don't know if it's just a natural gift but i guess through the sketch and improv and and at groundlings the your stage presence it's right. and charisma it all just blends together so beautifully where it's almost like you've developed those muscles and they're applicable for stand-up comedy they were just yeah. used in a different format yeah so. thank you for saying that thank you yeah, when I saw the special, I, I mean, I don't know how many specials and albums I've seen in 2020, probably close to 50 plus. And this yeah. is like top five. I'm, oh, I was, thank you. I, I mean it. I'm, I'm like, how 
I, I need to tell people about this and yeah. I'm so excited to watch it with my wife. I've told my family, my parents has who seen, has she seen never been kissed the movie. Yeah. I talked with her about it last week. I was like, you, have you seen never been kissed? And I was expecting her not. She's actually from Brazil. So okay. oh, and she's seen it. That's really good. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. She, she loves it. But I also think, I know you were mentioning earlier too, the demographic and how women um, are really into the story and how you're, how the, the guy that hooked you up with comedy dynamics and was like, this is what it's going to be called. I yeah. think that he had, he was too young. He hadn't seen it. I had not seen it and yeah. I didn't know who Michael Vartan was, but yeah. I was next to the computer, so I Googled it while you explained yeah. it. But I think you the way you explained it and just the story itself. Yeah. Ah, uh, it, it yeah, didn't keep, matter. Yeah, I keep telling people, I'm like, you don't, I go, have you ever had a crush on a celebrity when you were younger? I'm like, just whoever that is, whoever it is, if it's Scott, if you're 60 years old and it was Scott Bayo from Char Charles in Charge, whatever it was, imagine running into them 20 years later when you were completely brokenhearted and lonely living in the loneliest city in the country. And he's like, hey, let's go on a date. Or she's like, hey, let's go on a date. That's like, you're thinking everything is finally turning around. And then you, by some and not so much fault of your own, everything that goes wrong could go wrong. So I think it's, you know, you don't really have to know who he is. That's why I like the right. joke about for the millennials who don't know, just picture Ryan Gosling 15 years from now, because yeah. it's like, because Michael Vartan was huge back then because he was an yeah. alien. He was never been kissed. He was, he played Jen Jennifer Lopez's love interest and in monster-in-law. I'm like, you know, and then yeah. he just kind of stopped. Yeah. I, I Googled him and he's a very handsome man. And yeah. um, I mean, <laughs> past and present. So yeah. congrats for scoring well, the date with him. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I, and, and I was also going to ask too, because I know there's the the bumpers or the the intro and outro where you it was you as a kid, your crush <laughs> Danny Parsons, I think it was. He's a real person, and he let me really use his name. Yes. How did you get him to use? Uh, do, oh, do you guys talk? Oh, or so embarrassing. Are you ready for this? Okay. So I haven't talked to Danny Parsons in gosh. So we 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 became best friends in sixth grade, fifth, fifth fourth through sixth grade, and. Then he moved out of town and I was obsessed with him and I loved him and he was my best friend. And then we reconnected when I was like 22 or something like that. Cause I went, cause he lived in DC. So I like oh, went okay. to visit him. And then I hadn't really talked to him since, but somehow we were Facebook friends. So I messaged him and I was like, Hey, I'm doing this special. I have to add these intros and outros. And the reason we had to add those side note is mm -hmm. because our contact at Netflix that said we needed a 30 minute special had dropped off and well he got fired is what happened and when we went to the person who replaced him they're like we're not doing 30 minute specials anymore they need to be at least 50 so we talked to comedy dynamics and they're like oh. can you you have to make it 50 and i'm like we've only filmed 37 minutes so like how do you want me to do 50 and they're like can you write an intro and outro and i was like you want me to write a like up to i at the time because we'd cut some material i go you want me to write a 17 minute and th that's not even a comedy special. So for some people, the God. intro and outro is odd or jarring. Some people have said that it's their favorite part, which I'm like, well, I wrote it, so I'm not offended. <laughs> but, um, and it's based on my real life. So like when they're like, I hope that's, they're like, that was my favorite part because who played your mom? And I'm like, yep, that's all accurate. 
Um, but I reached out to Danny and it'd been like a month and I realized he hadn't been on Facebook in six months. So I found his wife and I messaged <laughs> her on Facebook and I go, Hey, uh, I think her name's Sonia. I go, this is really weird. And I go, but I knew Danny from a long time ago. And I was wondering if I could use his real name. So she met, so he ended up contacting me. He's like on Facebook and he's like, Hey, my wife said you reached out to her. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> use my name and send me the link. And like, I can't wait to watch it. Uh, I still actually, I should message him. I don't know if he's watched it. Michael Vartan's watched it a few times, but, um, what, yeah. what did Michael Vartan say? He's super supportive of it. At one okay. time we were trying to get him to be in the intro because mm -hmm. when we were filming the intro, I was pregnant at the time. So I did not look the way I did in my standup. So I, I couldn't be in it no matter what. And so we were going to think about having him be a part of it. And he was like, um, you could tell, I think career wise, he was like, I don't know where this is going to land. Cause at that time we didn't have Amazon or Apple TV yet. So yeah. he was like, I don't know where this is going to land. And if it was going to be like, you know, just the link you send around to your friends. He didn't want to do it. And I was like, I get it, you know, cause we didn't have anybody on board yet. And right. then as soon as his manager found out that it got on Amazon and Apple TV, he's like, let us know if you need anything. We're here. He's been, he's been very supportive. We have mutual friends and they've, you know, I was actually doing stand up. I, I was practicing the routine before we filmed it at the federal and a group of guys came up to after came up to me afterwards and they were like, Hey, just so you know, we play hot and they had a lot to drink. They're like, just so you know, we play hockey with Michael. And I was like, Oh, that's great. Tell him I said, hi. And they're like, we're going to tell him you're talking so much smack on him. And I'm like, um, what? I don't know if you heard my story, but I only talk about how embarrassing I am. And they're like, well, yeah, whatever. So I called him and I, the next day, cause it was like 11 o'clock at night. So I called yeah. him the next day. And he goes, oh yeah, I heard about it. And he goes, and I go, can I just tell you what I really say? And he was like, yes. And I go, so this is what I say. And he goes, man, you make me sound really good. You should be my publicist. And he goes, you know what? Make that into a Netflix special and let's both make enough money where we can retire, LOL. And I was like, um, so then two months later, I was like, hey, remember how you said make it into a special? Funny thing, that's what we're doing. Um, so yeah, so he's been nothing but supportive. He's a really good guy. He's he's just as good as you would expect. And a lot of people mm -hmm. in Hollywood might not be that way. Like when you meet mm -hmm. some of your heroes, you might not want to. But with him, he's so genuine and sincere. And on top of it, he's actually sexier in real life. Like he plays the sweet guy and the really good guy. Yeah. Um, as a leading man, but he's actually, he's French. He's a little sexy. He's done a lot hmm. of sex too. So. Ooh la la. Did, Ooh did, la la. Did, as I say in my flawless French accent. <laughs> Dude, I was, I was going to ask too. So you guys, it opened up the bridge for communication. Any talks of second date or is that no, bridge? I, I, no, I think, well, first of all, I ended up getting pregnant. So that was probably, uh, mm he's he's like almost 50 now and i don't think he wanted kids anyway but it, not to it. mention that um i think i think when we were filming through mutual friends i had found out that he'd started scenes of i don't know but it was never confirmed but i i the experience happened and it was not something that uh, i think it served its purpose and then uh we can just always look back on it fondly <laughs>
<laughs> that's amazing. I've had some embarrassing date stories too that I don't know if I can make as funny as you made your special. You but your wife. How'd you meet your Brazilian wife? I met her trying to learn Portuguese. So I love it. I used to work at Rosetta Stone and being an Italian American and I lived in Italy for a little while, so I spoke Italian fluently. Yes. And I thought I'm I Italian. Oh, you are? I'm currently learning it. I mean, don't quit. I like La Ragazza, Mangia la Mela, like the girl eats the apple. Like that's ah, what I brava. Got. I'm nice. brava. That's it. That's all I got. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. That's great. I uh so yeah, I ended up I wanted to learn a language that was a little more useful in business. So I wanted to go for one of the BRIC countries. And I thought, okay, Russian, Hindi, Mandarin, way too hard. Let's go yeah. with Portuguese because it's almost kind of like Spanish. Yeah. But uh, I ended up doing that. And then I lived close to Newark, New Jersey, where there was a huge community of Brazilians. Yeah. So I ended up making friends. And with Rosetta Stone, I was very, I sounded like a robot, like, hola, o meu nome é Stefan. Yeah. So my wife thought I was an android at first, but <laughs> we we ended up speaking more. And, um, oh, it's actually pretty embarrassing how I tried to go for that. I, I got rejected by her constantly. I don't know how this I was is, so persistent. This is why it works. We, this is the lesson to women. Just keep rejecting and they'll put a ring on it. I get it. I get it. Go for that's, it. That's it. I was at a, we were at an Italian bar. And so I was trying to show off a little bit with the Italian. I was teaching her some. And then they had those little uh, little breadsticks, but they're a little thinner, crunchier, yeah. grissini. Yeah. And so I was telling her, I was saying, you know, in Italy, in parts of Italy, what you do, the tradition is you take one end, I take the other, and then we try and break it off. And then whichever person gets the larger half gets to make a wish. And she was like, oh, that's so cute. And then she starts to grab it. And I go, no, 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 you grab it with your mouth. And then she <laughs> was like, no, 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 no. No, no, no we don't. <laughs> and I'm very embarrassed that I just admitted that because that was probably the cheesiest pick, cheesiest way to try to get a kiss ever. But then we're, we're in the car. And then so one of our friends is driving and we're all together and everything. And then she goes, do you want a stick of gum? And then I go, yeah. And she she oh, takes know. one half in her mouth and she's like, whoever gets the bigger half in Brazil gets to make a wish. So then she stole my thing. And that's how we got. Ah, the smooth, <laughs> smooth. So wait, do you still live on the East Coast? No, I live in Phoenix, Arizona now. That's what I thought. That's what I read. So I was, yeah, I was curious yeah. about that. How, how'd that move go? Uh, it went fine. We ended up, we wanted to have some babies and start mm -hmm. a family. So yeah. we wanted to be close to family and my parents and brothers and sisters live here in Phoenix. Hers all live in Brazil. So we thought it would be yeah. a little easier of a transition to go Great. to Phoenix. Yeah. And so I found a job here. She ended up getting a job. She was working from home for a little bit. She, she used to work in the Empire State Building, which was freaking sweet. That's crazy. Yeah. So anyway, um, we ended up, we've been living here for like two years. We go back to Brazil every now and then until Corona hit. And now it's a uh, temporary pause on that, but yeah, we still get to see our family every now and then we got married in Brazil too. Ah, that's awesome. I've never been yet. I speak uh, fluent Spanish and I can't, I've listened to Portuguese. I don't pick up any of it. Italian, I'll pick it up. But Portuguese to me is harder than coming from somebody who speaks fluent Spanish. It's easier to learn Italian than it is Portuguese. 
Isn't that weird I, for my brain? I don't know. No, I agree with that. I think maybe if you read Portuguese, it might come off easier. But the yeah. accent for Brazilian Portuguese is yeah. so bonkers. Yeah. I don't I don't understand. Like, I think I don't know what it is in Spanish, but teeth is dente in Portuguese. Yeah. The but they their accent, a lot of them say denchi. So that why? Would, that, that would yeah. It is dente. That's so funny. Or no, yeah. it's diente. It's diente. Diente. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It, um, and then like ciudad in Spanish, it's yeah. almost it's like cidade is how it's spelled, but they say cidade. So I don't oh, know. Oh, see, I'm already like then my mind's blown. If it doesn't sound <laughs> how it's spelled because I'm so visual, I'll lose my mind. Yeah. Like at yeah. least Italian. At least Italian, I can pick up on. That's so funny. Yeah. I, I, what I love about Italian is it has the rules for every single letter and then there are some of those combinations where chi is like key versus chi and all that but it's got the rules there are some accents where they go a little soft on the what i lived in a place called ferrara and Mm -hmm. they would do shh instead of s so they'd be like ciao stefano come stai mangiamo gli spaghetti stasera like the difference between spain spanish and mexico spanish (laughs) yeah a little bit of a lisp in spain that's so funny Yeah. yeah so anyway um i wanted to ask one more question then we'll get into the advice Yes. Nicole, I know you mentioned the 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 next special coming up or new material coming up. Yeah. What have you got in the future plans? So three weeks after we filmed the last special, I um, accidentally got pregnant with a best friend of mine that I've been best friends with for four years. And wow. uh, they accident, I mean acts like accident and there was almost if and i'll tell the story about it in the special but if you picked a percentage of our chances of it happening it would be less than two percent and uh, the doctor and um now we're raising a baby together i mean she's with me like 90 percent of the time during the pandemic but um we're co-parenting and she's awesome and i never thought i'd not never thought i'd have kids but i would say in the last five years when I became really focused on my career and I uh, didn't have any romantic prospects, I thought, oh, and actually the last guy I dated, he didn't want kids and I was totally cool with it. I was like, yeah, we Mm -hmm. can just travel. That's awesome. I just, the things I like the most sleep and travel. There's no room for kids there. All right, great. (laughs) Then I got pregnant and I was like, what am I going to do? And I just had a really good feeling that you know, it's kind of like my whole life, you know, yeah. I just let the signs guide me and I'm glad I did because she's awesome. And she's expanded me as a human. My comedy's a little bit different. I don't do stuff just for jokes. Now it's kind of like, there's like a hidden lesson in it all. Um, oh, that's so motherly. Yeah, I know. Right. Isn't that, I love that. so crazy? <laughs> uh, but she's, she's you my scold your hecklers too. put them in timeout. Right. Oh, I love hecklers. Oh, like, that's why I'm like, cannot wait for more live shows. Cause I miss my hecklers. Um, Aww. but yeah, so it's, yeah, it's a really interesting story. And, uh, the people at comedy dynamics were just like, Hey, do you have any mom stuff? Like now that you're a new mom. And I was like, well, again, so this isn't something that I was thinking of doing, but they said like, there's, um, these two women, uh, Jen Smedley, who's from the Groundlings. She does. I mom so hard. And there's these two women that do they tour and they almost had their own show. I don't 
I don't know if they filmed the pilot, but Freddie Prince Jr. was going to play one of their husbands. Wow. And I, it, it ended up not getting picked up, but they took it pretty far. And their special, which is them two on stage, um, a lot of audience work, they, uh, they did better than some of the A-list comedians on Amazon. I believe that's what she said. And she goes, there's something about mom stuff that women totally check in for and can totally, that's why Ali Wong did both of her specials pregnant. That's why Amy mm. Schumer did one pregnant. That's why Christina P did one pregnant because there is such a niche for it that I was like, oh, okay. And they're like, and they're all married. You're a single mom. Like, what is that like? Especially since I think we've figured out like 48% of women are single, single moms. So, wow. Wow. Terrible. That is- <laughs> I, say that as, I say that as one, okay? But I'm like, well, this happened. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it's kind of funny too, as you were mentioning, some of the things that have happened to me, you know, people talk about manifesting things and saying, I yeah. want this, and then it happens. Usually when I say I don't want this or I'm okay not to have it, then it yeah. happens. Yeah. I was I was single. I was happy. I finally came to terms with it. I'm like, you know what? If I never yes. get married, I'm fine with it. Yes. And then bam. Bam. Yeah. yeah. So. Uh, Crazy. Well, good. This is very exciting. I'm, I'm excited yeah. for you. We're going to get into the advice portion of the podcast. Yeah. Do you but, want real advice or do you want me to give sh- crap advice? We could do a mix of both. We okay. could, you, you know what? We'll, we'll temperature check from the questions that there are and then we can. Great. Okay. Okay. Go. Go. You Bef- go. Okay. Before we get into the questions, I was going to say really quickly, I like to get us nice and inspired, primed with an inspirational quote. So I've got one heater, but I was going to ask, I usually like to ask my guests if they have any inspirational quotes that help them get through their days. Okay, this is my favorite quote of all time, and it has to do with writing. Oh. It says, um, I'm going to, I'm going to, this is going to, I'm going to botch this, but um, if people wanted you to write warmly about them, they should have behaved better. There you go. Oh, I like that. Because I have a lot of people that are like, you can't talk about your stepmom like that. I'm like, well, she should have behaved better because that's it. Write what you know. You should always write what you're, you're allowed to write about any experience. That's the whole quote. You're allowed to write about any experience that happened to you because if people wanted you to write warmly about them, they should have behaved better. That's, that's, that's you, deep. There is a lesson in that. And I just feel like I absorbed it because I have a family that is very interesting. I come from a family of five, so I'm the oldest. Oh, wow. Okay. I'm the oldest. You have three. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so hijinks have ensued and we've been very different personalities. And so I've been thinking and my parents too, very interesting people. So I was thinking about doing when in my stand up incorporating more family stuff. And so I think I'll use your quote the next time my mom's like, well, why did you talk about me? Yeah. I mean, you just it's it's interesting, like, Cause I've been, I was so afraid to write about a lot of stuff. And I found that, I, I think a friend sent it to me or they, oh no, it was, um, they wrote it down and they taped it to my door and I read it and I was like, oh, that's true. I mean, think about some things that inspire writers, directors, people that write movies and stuff that's based on their real lives. It's like that took some guts, but it also happened to them. And that's like what makes them the creative that they are anyway. So why not talk about it? Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's the the thing that makes them their most unique, authentic self. Yeah. I mean, so. there's stuff that I'm sure like 
there's stuff off limits that I won't talk about because I don't want to like directly annihilate somebody. But it's like, well, if it had to deal with your interaction with me personally, I think that's, you know, that's sure. free game. Fair game. That, that's fair. We'll put a little asterisk next to it. Asterisk. asterisk. Don't-, don't destroy your whole family for like a seven minute set. Don't do that. But, you know. Yes. Please, please write responsibly. We'll have it. <laughs> yes. <bottom>. That's it. <laughs> Well, um, that's a great quote. And I feel almost embarrassed and ashamed to present my quote. It's not okay. by a, any person. It's actually by a robot. It's called Inspirobot. Okay. What it does is it uses AI and it takes some of the wisest words known to humankind, okay. mashes them together for okay. a really interesting quote. Okay. We'll try and decipher this one. So okay. Go for it. This week's quote from Inspirobot is... <clears throat> Having a birthday is more like making love to your mother than most people like to admit. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh my god! Uh, uh, Nicole's like because you don't want to take it head on <laughs> Rose, that was a cheap one that was a cheap one that's on brand here on brand so do you, good do you maybe inspirabot is still learning so like yeah. maybe yeah. when it says having a birthday is more like making love to your mother it's it's almost like not the euphemism for getting hot and heavy yeah but it's more like you are it's a it's almost a thank you to your mother being like i'm alive one more year and i'm celebrating the year the day in which i came out of you out of you and i don't know i think we're giving it too much credit i think we're giving it way too much credit (laughs) (laughs) i think yeah you're right i think maybe inspirebot's been hanging out with freud a little too much yeah a little bit Oedipus theory is is trickling (laughs) and trickling into this. All right. Well, I feel inspired now. So I think we can move on to the questions. We've got two little questions here. This first one is from our fan, Tim, and found it on Reddit. It says, I want to wear boots. Pros slash cons. My foot stopped growing, so I decided to buy more pairs of boots to wear only boots. If I wear only boots, it can damage my foot. Where I live, hot and dry summers and hard winters. And that, that's how that's old all. is he? That is, like, it's so weird that he said his foot stopped growing. Like, <laughs> like what age is he that he said <laughs> foot stopped growing? Like, if you're an adult, I get it, but I, I don't ever say my foot stopped growing at a size eight. I just say I'm a size eight. Mm, um, that's a good point. I thought maybe your feet, you know, how when you die, your nails grow. <laughs> Maybe your feet still grow <laughs> slowly. <laughs> it's a slow grow. So, uh, I mean, I, I think yeah, wear whatever you want to wear. Um, <laughs> so it's hot and cold winters. That's right. Yes. Hot and dry summers and hard winters. Where is that? Like, I'm trying to think where this would be. Hot and dry. So I was thinking hot and dry could be a desert, could be arid, right. but then like utah well they don't get that much snow though mm. but they do get some that's yeah. so fun. boots yeah where what else are you gonna wear you can't wear flip-flops because boots yeah 
I mean, I'm from Kansas. They wear cowboy boots in the summer. It's weird, but they do it. Yeah, I grew up in Cottonwood, Arizona. So we had our cliques in high school, and one of them was the Cowboys. So oh, that's so funny. Yeah, we had those. We had we. I remember I went to a rural school my freshman year before transferring immediately, but. <laughs> It was still a gravel, like the gravel parking lot. And I remember the first time, and I'd come from Washington, D.C. So I came from a, you know, oh, wow, a big city. Yeah. And like I was one of the minorities in my school. And to come from that to an all white school of 400 people where everybody drove a pickup truck and they actually wore cowboy hats and spurs. And I was like, what is not spurs, chaps? I was like, uh, what? what are we doing? This is, and I couldn't figure out why a 17 year old would dress like that. And like, we don't live in Montana. We're like rural Kansas. Like we're like 20 minutes outside of Kansas city, but to each their own. I mean, it's still a great town. Uh, and it doesn't really look now they've got like paved, you know, parking lots and looks completely different, but yeah. Yeah. Wear cowboy boots, wear them, whatever you want to do. Just, wear yeah, them, exactly. I just imagined high school fights becoming a lot more interesting if you have people wearing spurs or it's like high noon. They throw the little tumbleweed on. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, good. I think wear them. Be your best self. We were just talking about being authentic. If you want to wear boots, be a boot. Boot 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 guy. guy. Yeah. There you go. All right. Now, this last question, it's from Reddit. It's found by our fan, Rachel. Thank you, Rachel. It says, my ex won't remove photos of him and I on his page. What can I do? My ex still has photos of him and I together on his page. I have a BF now, and he even has a GF, but still refuses to delete them. Even lied about deleting them. How can I do anything to get them removed? Thanks. Okay, bad advice, murder him. Good <laughs> <advice>. <laughs> <laughs> um good advice stop looking just stop looking dude i've got i even talked about it in my special this one guy that i dated that like prompted the really bad breakup and we're friends mm-hmm. now we actually saw each other during the quarantine which is hilarious no in- way yeah so i was in kansas city quarantining for a bit and he was driving from la back to where he's from which is outside of philly and okay. so he goes, Hey, you're halfway. You're my halfway mark. And I was like, yeah, stop by and say hi or whatever. Um, but that, uh, and I showed him the bit I go, Hey, I'm going to be posting this. Um, but just so you know, this is the bit that kind of has to do with you and our situation. Um, where in this, I'll, I'll just go ahead and tell it. Um, it was a relationship where for a year we had dated and he had, he had like CIA operative. He was able to hide that he was living with his ex-girlfriend the entire time we were together. Now I knew he was living with her the first three months we were together because they lived, they, they shared a place, but he was moving out. Los Angeles is expensive. They had two separate rooms. She had a boyfriend. And so we were dating. We weren't getting serious until he was out. And then I gave, I said, like, if this is taking any longer, let's not date. And he said, no, 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 I found a place. So he found a place in Venice that I had been to a few times. And I remember sitting on the couch and I was like, Hey, I'm cold. Can I get a sweatshirt? And the look on his face, I was like, I knew something was wrong. And I ran into his bedroom and I opened his closet and there were no clothes. And I go, where's your clothes? 
And he was like, um, uh, I go, wait, where's your opening drawers? There's nothing in the drawers. He has like a toothbrush, but I'd never stayed the night because my place was like central to everything. So we always stayed at my place. So I was like, is this a, is this a, is this like a prop house? Is this where, what is happening? And then he's like, okay, so like, I still live with, I still live with what's her face. I can't say her name because she'll sue me, but like, I still live with what's her face. And I go, what are you talking about? You psycho. And then here's the thing, whatever he was telling her and whatever he was telling me, he was doing it because he didn't want to get in trouble. In actuality, do I think he's like a really nice, sincere guy? And he's probably Mm -hmm. a great friend. Absolutely. He's not this guy that's like sleazy. He just Mm -hmm. did not want to get in trouble. And, um, but at a certain point you have to take accountability because you're treating two people terribly. So, um, I started to lose my mind and I felt like I was going crazy. And then he kept reassuring me and showing me text messages that they had exchanged and where she didn't say nice stuff about me, but he was defending me. And he was like, look, you have to stop telling people we're together, even though like, I still hang out there sometimes. And it was, I got to watch her response. And so I thought I was, you know, being let in on this thing. Anyway, this is getting too long. So, no. um, so, um, I show him the clip and the clip is, you know, I had a boyfriend who had CIA operative skills and one night he gets drunk, passes out his girlfriend, his ex-girlfriend finds his phone while he's passed out, uses his thumb to unlock it gets on his Facebook and does a live stream where she divulges all of our sexual, all of their sexual proclivities and refers to me as a low rent Jenny McCarthy. And I showed him that I go, which looking back, she nailed it. That's exactly my brand. So, um, and so I showed him the clip and he laughed about it. And then I didn't think anything of it. And, um, I have a marketing team that helps me with my Instagram a little bit. I mean, they just help me with everything. So, Mm -hmm. so they posted it like two weeks later. Two weeks after that, my publicist calls and she goes, hey, we're getting you verified on um, Insta right now. And I was like, great. She goes, so we just like to comb through some stuff just to make sure that there's nothing to worry about. Like you don't have any crazy people stalking you. And I was like, "Uh uh-huh. And she goes, we found a post from two weeks ago and she screenshotted it and she sent it to me. And she goes, who's this? And I read it and it was clearly a fake account and it was clearly done by his ex-girlfriend who now has a different boyfriend. So she's had two boyfriends and, and I never want to shame another woman because I think he's the one who's responsible because he's the man in this. And I have Mm -hmm. no problem putting the blame on myself for allowing Mm -hmm. it to go as far as it did. And for not just reaching out to her and being like, what's your story? Cause if we would have done that, all of this could have been prevented. But she um, started outing like a lot of the crazy stuff I did on the receiving end of it. Like I called his therapist and I was like, is he in therapy? Because if he's not, then I can't see him anymore. And Mm -hmm. she turned that, whatever. So she was posting about it online. And the gift is I didn't see it for two weeks because I didn't pay attention. And uh, the, but the interesting thing is, so I took a screenshot at it and I sent it to him and I go, dude, it's been four years. Like this needs to stop. And he was like, yeah, that's definitely her. I'm so sorry. So here's my thing. I've been through it. I get it. I get that you have this, like, he should take my photos down. Why? Why should he take your photos down? Because you guys did have a relationship. I don't take anything I've ever experienced down because I think it all accumulates to your whole life. So you shouldn't be, I mean, I am embarrassed at some of the crazy stuff I did, but I learned from it and I wouldn't even 
date a lot of the people that I dated when I was in that mind frame. So just mm-hmm. consider yourself a grown up person and that you've moved on and then like let him post whatever he wants. Who cares? Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I feel it's like the fact that you are looking back at those pictures constantly. I don't know if you guys are friends or if you yeah. what's gone on, but the fact that you're taking that trip first class trip to memory lane is is really saying something on like, Oh, why, why, like, why are you checking back on this? Just forget about it. Do what you want, you know, trim up your pictures and profile. But if they want it to be that way, that is like you said, Nicole, that's what happened in the past. And so let, let it be, let it it die a terrible death and then have a funeral and then move on. That's it. There you go. Spread the ashes. (laughs) spread them out spread them out yeah it is weird that he said that he did take him down and then he didn't but yeah that's weird but you gotta you can't feed into that mind game stuff you just gotta no no remove yourself from it exactly you could report it maybe you could report it on facebook saying it's illegal behavior or something like that you can you could lie and be like this is (laughs) these are russian bots this is fake news (laughs) So he's threatening the president of the United <laughs> Wait, what? That's my bad advice. That's my bad advice. He's threatening the president of the United States. Oh god. The, the yes, these two faces are illegal votes for <laughs> so stop them so, right now. Get them off. So, All right. So, well, that is our last question. So it's the end of the podcast. But before woo! we say goodbye. Nicole, I just wanted to give you a huge thank you for for jumping on, telling us all about your life and your special. Thank you for being patient with me because this is our third attempt at filming this and I kept getting either busy or I had a power outage, which by the way, it took 10 hours to get the power back on. Um, oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, oh it didn't my gosh. Until like 1030 at night. Um, but I was actually glad that you had messaged me, like that we were talking during that time because I was like, he might be in five minutes after that. I, my computer died. I couldn't have gotten anything. My phone died. Couldn't have gotten anything. But I was like, okay, there's another human that's here to experience the dark hallway with me. And I'm like, <laughs> that's Stephanie I- helping me. I, yeah, I felt so bad because you were just like, oh, hey, uh, my power's all out. Here's this creepy hallway. Bam. So and I was like, crazy. oh my God, this is how horror movies start. I hope she's you okay. You're in a banana suit. And I was like, this is what is happening. <laughs> I was like, oh no, I hope she doesn't, something doesn't happen to her. She gets kidnapped and then the police look for evidence and then they see me in a banana suit. I'm like, hey. <laughs> it's definitely that guy. <laughs> we don't need to peel this one back. There's no mystery here. Uh, but, but I did want to ask, what would you like to plug? Uh, what have you got going on? Where can people follow you? Um, uh, the, I, the, the best thing right now is probably NicoleComedy.com Cause I'll post anything I'm doing. I'm also doing, I'm hosting a lot of Christmas parties as a character I do called Bernie, the bartender. Oh. Um, so if you guys want somebody to host your Christmas party, I'm going to be posting that tonight. I didn't think I would even, again, following the universe didn't even dawn on me until people started reaching out and they're like, Hey, would you like to host a party as that character you do? And I was like, okay. So, um, that's going to be on NicoleComedy.com, And you can also get my special never been kissed on Amazon, Apple TV, and YouTube. So awesome. And yeah. all of that is going to be linked in the show notes. So you guys, listeners, yeah. you can just click, push your thumb against that text and you're, you're there. That's you're it. There. Beautiful. Awesome. 
Thank you All so right. much for having me. I had so much fun. The, this was awesome. It really was. <laughs> you're you're just as hilarious in person as you are on the special. So. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. Let me know. Let me know what your wife thinks. Oh, I will. I will. That's it. Well, thank you so much, Nicole. And I hope you have a great, what is it, Thursday? Weekend? Yeah. Yeah. Good weekend. Awesome. Thank you. Have a good one. All right. Thank you. You too. Bye, Nicole.